0: there, Dead and Lovely listeners, and welcome to this week's installment of Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie review podcast in all of the known multiverse. Here with the host with the most, it's me, Uncle Ben, and who's that other host with the most we got over here? It's time...
1: It's time!
2: Ooh. It's Steven time!
0: <laughs> is that old Hollywood Steve Spratling over there? It's me,
2: Hollywood Steve Spratling, oh, a.k.a. Uh, Big Van Vader. <laughs> Big Steve Vader. Mm-hmm. How you doing today, man? Um, Pretty good. Man, I will tell you this. Uh, every time you ask me how I'm doing, I think of the weather. And it is cold as shit is in it L.A. Really? right now. Okay, define L.A. cold. It's like 48. Oh, shit. So it actually is kind of cold. It is kind of cold. It feels specifically cold because, like, it's just you're not prepared for it. You walk outside, and there's sun out, and you're like, oh, this is going to be good, and then it's bitterly cold. Then you're wrong about it. In L.A. weather, it's bitterly cold. Damn,
0: dude. Yeah, this is probably the first podcast this entire winter where it's actually warmer in Tennessee than it is in L.A. We're experiencing this. Holy shit. I know. We're experiencing this really nice kind of warm spell right now where it's probably, I think it got up to like maybe 65 today. Oh. And it was nice, man. I just let the dogs out a second ago at, you know, 1230 at night. Uh-huh. And it's still actually quite bearable. I wore some flippity-flops today. Hell yeah. It got real fucking good to me and it's supposed to stay that way, but it's gonna start raining and stuff, but still, I'm just happy to have any any break I can from the bitter cold and happy to see the sunshine and get my vitamin D's us up.
2: Oh, I got some vitamin D for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Ooh, man, what have yeah, you been doing? It's you been just watching some
2: capsules? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've been watching some stuff. Yeah. Um, it was it, we're recording this not long after Valentine's Day, and I watched uh, My Bloody Valentine. Oh, okay, <laughs> right on. It. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? Is
0: that the 3D one that came out like maybe 10 years oh, ago? Oh no, or no,
2: that that's the that's the um, remake of an original. 1980 canadian um horror film i never have seen the original no it's it's got a similar feel to black christmas except huh? it's it's much more of a whodunit it's similar to prowler i would say okay run right on so not great in that respect because I, I don't care for a whodunit very much but it is still good it's it's still like a fun 80s slasher so
0: run right on man i'll have to check that out sometimes that's streaming somewhere right now
2: yeah, I think, it's, uh, I think it's on Showtime or, or something, um, or Stars, maybe. Yeah. Not positive on that. I remember watching the 3D one in theaters, uh, whenever that came out,
0: years ago, and I remember thinking it was serviceable. It was a just yeah. fun, stupid matinee, you know?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I would say about the original. Like, if somebody were to tell me the remake was bad, I'd be like, I don't know, did you see the original? Yeah, look <laughs> what they're working with. Come on. Yeah, not great. One of the main characters in that is, uh, he's basically Edmund Kemper, serial killer Edmund Kemper. He looks exactly like him. Oh, shit. But with a twirly mustache. Ooh. So. Charming. Exactly. Very much so. <laughs> I also watch, Ben, I don't do this very often. Okay. Eh? When I watch comedy movies, I tend to avoid comedy movies that have any maybe serious tone to them. Okay. Um, I prefer a hot rod or an anchor man, something of that sort. What would you define as a comedy with serious overtones like you're talking about? God, like all, all of them. Yeah. They all at some point have like this, like there has to be a serious moment. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know. Get rid of it. I like a dumb
0: and dumber is much more along the lines of just being fucking funny.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But I watched a movie called Rough Night, which has uh, a lot of people in it that i love specifically alana glazer oh okay yeah and it has like it's 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 funny it's like funny and then it turns serious ish near the end where like I, i'm saying serious i'm not saying like it turns into a drama i'm saying like there are serious implications to story elements mm-hmm. which as a writer it makes sense but as a viewer and lover of comedy it's like i don't give a fuck i don't need <laughs> i don't need serious implications I, i'm fine with uh, you know a man on a horse with a trident like yeah <laughs> i want i want to see just a ridiculous rumble between journalists i don't i don't want i don't want it to ever get even semi-serious i just want it to be funny so i
0: understand that entirely man rough
2: night was okay all right all right i don't think i've ever even seen a a preview or anything for that
0: but it's funny you mentioned uh alana because i just finished everything that they have uploaded of broad city on hulu hell yeah that's awesome man how uh how'd you feel about it it's the best and i already miss it like i turn on the tv and i'm like well what the fuck am i supposed to watch
2: yeah what am i supposed to do with my life now
0: i'll tell you what i'm doing with my life i'm rewatching 30 rock Shit, yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a good choice. <laughs> that's a good one to bounce around to. I loved, I love Broad City, though, man. I, it's not like over, is it?
2: N- I don't think so. I, I think they have another season. I'm not sure though. Okay, because I think the
0: last one that I saw was like, it's the one that ends, and it's all about like their their friendship and shit. And at the ending, it shows like their uh-huh. names like written in the concrete and stuff. Yeah, that's the last one that I saw.
2: I don't know. I haven't. I haven't really checked. on I. It's very possible that they were just preparing for the inevitability. Like you know, Comedy Central doesn't keep shows running for a long time. So. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully they have more to go because I really, really do dig that show. But I'm happy to be watching A Thirty Rock again because that is just a fucking hilarious, awesome awesome show i also i was just talking about this on our last episode i mentioned that i fell asleep whilst watching the ritual oh right this time i stayed awake whilst watching the ritual
2: how did that go
0: i liked it a lot man i thought that it was really cool like awesome it's not like a fucking you know blow your hair back reinventing the genre kind Uh of movie but it's just a cool um I don't know. It's it's got that thing that I've mentioned that I love so much in in horror flicks and stuff, where it feels like the environment that the movie is taking place in is like swallowing the characters up. Like when the environment is ah. bigger than the characters, like in The okay. Witch or The Shining. Like yeah, yeah, I love that. I think that that's yeah. just like a really, I don't know, like claustrophobic, really uh, hopeless kind of scenario. So this movie had a bit of that going on with some really cool. Uh, Mostly practical. Well, I'll say partially practical.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Creature design and some some cool surprises and cool set design and stuff in there. It's on the it's on Netflix right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I would definitely recommend watching it, man. And it's only like an hour and a half. It doesn't really overstay its welcome or try to Sweet. you know stretch itself too thin or push itself too far. I thought it was cool. It Seems like a lot of people are like not stoked about the ending. Like I, I've seen a lot of people mm-hmm. that are like, yeah, I really liked it, but it didn't like yeah, the end. That's what I've heard. I like the ending. I thought that it was just fine, man.
2: Yeah. I I have to learn not to listen to people. I rarely agree with them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I would definitely recommend checking it out whenever you get yourself a minute. I'll tell you what else I'm enjoying right now, Steve. What it is. So uh, for you loyal, dead, and lovely listeners, you guys will remember... Back in October for our uh, Fright Night and Dust Till Dawn Uh episodes. Me and Steve were doing those live in person because he was in the great state of Tennessee. So
2: Hell yeah. We
0: recorded those episodes and got progressively more and more drunk on white Russians as we were doing it. Mm -hmm. And I found in the back of the liquor cabinet, there was still a little bit of life left in that old Kahlua bottle. So I prepared myself a quite strong Caucasian and I'm enjoying it very much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is the, i mean like white russian caucasian that's what it is yeah, that's what it is exactly but man. then but then that makes uh, any reference to a black russian uh bad so is we it, just call them white russians not it, caucasian
0: is a black russian just basically a white russian with no dairy Is that yeah right?
2: yeah it's just kalua and vodka yeah
0: right on man right on well i do enjoy white russian what are you drinking tonight you got anything
2: yeah man, I'm uh, sipping on a 60 minute IPA, Dogfish mm. Head. Mhm. of my yeah. faves.
0: Hell yeah, I like, dude.
2: I like its uh, its bitterness is uh, also kind of chocolatey. Mhm, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't get that a lot with IPA, so big fan of it.
0: That's a really unique one. That's actually one of the first that like the 90 minute. Those are some of the first like IPAs that I really enjoyed because they they do taste quite a lot different than other IPAs yes. to me especially the the more minutes you get into the more they develop this like molassesy yeah kind of kind of taste to them that i really dig but that 60 is really nice because it has some of that but the alcohol content isn't so high that you can't enjoy a few yeah of them.
2: yeah i have to watch that whenever we record i i can go back and listen to episodes and be like oh that was an episode where i was drinking straight liquor <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you ever had the 120 minute
2: yes it's really good it
0: is crazy it's one of those things that it's kind of hard to even call it a beer because it it does not taste like any beer that you've ever had even no it's so good though dude it is so easy to get just Fucked up on. <laughs> Absolutely. Because it's strong, dude.
2: Um, I I got uh, Lagunitas undercover investigation Fuck the other day. Yes. I don't know you had that. Yes. It's like eight point eight or something. I Ridiculous. love it. Ridiculous. I can like so never good, though, find yeah.
0: it around here, man. That's one of the first. Um, I'm always professing my love for a Lagunita. I think that was actually. One of the first ones that I had where I was like, oh my God, I totally understand this now. I love it. I've been drinking that Maximus lately. I got a six pack of that the other day. Oh
2: yeah. Maximus is great. God, I love it (laughs) so much. Welcome to beer and lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Lagunitas, please endorse us. Now Ben, I have to give a shout out real quick to my homeboy DJ Lewis, who is a comedian, lives in Chattanooga area around there. Mm -hmm. He is hilarious really funny dude he also makes some music mm. uh, on the soundcloud under the name skinny bumpkin oh and i'm gonna go ahead and recommend that to any of our listeners who listen to me talk ab- about hip-hop and-, and wants to hear some interesting hip-hop because i would call it gutter billy rap oh my lord what does that it's- mean <laughs> you have to hear it the moment you hear it you'll be like yeah that's what that is <laughs> um it's I really enjoy it. And uh, DJ's great. So go check him out. Right on, man. And he's a
0: dead and lovely listener himself. So thank you for the support, my man. We definitely do yeah. appreciate that. Now, Steve, let me ask you, too. You mentioned at the end of our Dream Warriors episode last week that you got an email from a fan talking about Baskin or something, right?
2: Yes, I did. Oh, man. It is in-depth. And I really... I, I I, don't know if we could even get into it with this episode, because this episode could run too long, but I, I would just like to give him a shout-out. Perry and Boozy, um, I'm going to get to you. I'm going to respond to your Baskin um, email, because man... You got some good ideas for sure, and Sick. it's real interesting.
0: Uh, go ahead and forward that to me too, because I would love to yeah. read that myself. I would love to check that out, especially from a man.
2: Sweet dude, I am sending it to you right now. Um, Hell's yeah! So, I did. <laughs> so this week, I did send you. Um, I did send you a a text that was a little bit of a. What would you say, uh, Stone Text? Oh yeah, um, did I get one of those? Uh, you did. That was uh, <laughs> it was about the journey, uh, Separate Ways video.
0: Oh yes, I think that's a wonder. That was a wonderful
2: text to receive because it was all true. All of it was true. Um, <laughs> well, Ben, not not to outdo myself, Hit but I just want to talk about Joan Jets bad reputation video real quick i
0: haven't seen it what the fuck is it about it's
2: okay here's basically what it's about is um newspaper headlines that essentially read things like joan jett the best (laughs) (laughs) record companies eat shit
1: (laughs) jj is a goddess
2: kicks dicks (laughs) like i made all that up none of those are the headlines the headlines basically say those things though they're just like the record companies are rejecting Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and then they decide to record their album independently and then they you know really take off and all the record companies are like you know kissing their ass um it It really struck me that that goes so against what I think of when I think of Joan Jett. I yeah. think of her not giving a shit in the least bit that the record companies didn't want them. <laughs> and then you see this, and this whole video is like, yeah, you, we don't even care if you don't want us. <laughs> I've got to see it's this, like, dude. There's something about we'll, that era of we'll music. We'll take our videos. ball and go home, dude. Yeah. Like
0: they just didn't know what was cool yet. Like, have you watched some of those no. like, really early? like, Billy Joel videos, like, it's still rock and roll to me and shit like that.
1: hmm
2: <laughs> They are the
0: lamest. Like, they're the lamest That's videos ever. And they're like, I don't know, I guess
2: this is cool. Like, they really had not figured it out by that point. I watch, um, I, this I would call a bi-monthly ritual. Uh, every two weeks, I will get into an ABBA phase, and I watch ABBA videos because... Yeah, because ABBA's fucking awesome, man. First off, ABBA is fucking awesome. But second off, their videos were... They were made, like, when people started making music videos, but not necessarily when the songs were popular. Mm-hmm. So, if you watch all their videos, they all they look the same, basically, in all the videos. They really age. Very Swedish. And the two dudes in the band obviously don't know English, but there's so many times it shows them, like, lip-syncing to the music, and they are obviously not saying anything Tight. close to... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you, my ABBA jam is Lay All Your Love on Me. That's my fucking jam right there.
2: That's a great one. I love Fernando because oh, it is yeah, the most, it's the most inexplicable song by a Swedish band of all time. Absolutely. What, war, what <laughs> war was he going off to fight? When? When was Sweden ever in a war with anybody... In the modern era, and also why is his name Fernando? <laughs>
0: this is There's sweet, a lot of questions to get asked by by ABBA songs in general. I think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on the subject of that that journey video you were talking about, we were playing a uh, a big ass skank banger show the other day in Knoxville. Hell yeah! And we did happen to play a Separate Ways at that show. And as soon as we start the song, I started thinking about your your color commentary about <laughs> that video. I was like, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yeah, because he basically he's saying, that if uh, listen, I know you don't want to be with me, but I'll beat up your husband if you need me to. Yeah, totally. What? what? What a dick! Huh? What? Can you imagine if your wife got a call from an old boyfriend and he said, "Hey, look, uh, you know, I know it didn't work out with us and, and everything, but like, if you're if your if your husband." you know as a dick i can come beat him up and we could be together
0: <laughs> also who oh, the fuck could yeah, steve perry cool. beat up man
2: that's true i'm so surprised by how steve perry in the face looks like david tennant gained 100 pounds but then you see his body and you're like no he looked just like david tennant like he's oh a skinny God. little spindly man what the? but he's what? got like this chubby ass face Wow, we're we're not talking shit about steve perry by the way because journey fucking awesome yeah best singer of all time steve perry's voice is amazing yeah in the top three he's he's you know he's not freddie mercury but he's not real far off either no it's true i listen journey like i I didn't grow up in the era of all this music i'm talking about like it was a little before my time but like that's the stuff my mom listened to so like that was growing up 70s music was was what i thought was on the radio because she was always listening to classic rock
1: yeah which well, to that <laughs> time was i thought just was the cool rock. stuff
2: yeah um well i mean by by that time there was hair metal and stuff and mm-hmm. other than guns and roses um i wouldn't say a lot of those bands still stick in my rotation mm-hmm. um i, I say you're I mean, an I, asshole I still like hair metal, for sure. If it's on, <laughs> I'm like, yes, poison, etc. But uh, I just don't, I, I think we lost something there. I don't know if it was disco that made people react so vehemently against tradition or whatever. But like, You know, there's man. a
0: really interesting thing that happened um, whenever we reached the the disco age and the way that it impacted music i'm gonna hit you with this real quick here not to digress too much but i think this is really fascinating so you know up until the age of disco most of our recordings were still at least reasonably recorded live and naturally Mm -hmm. where it would just be you know a drummer and he'd play a part Mm -hmm. or maybe they'd record the whole band live before everybody wall of sound style yeah exactly Mm exactly exactly But basically, whenever we hit the disco age, which was music, of course, specifically designed for for dancing, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the synthesizers and stuff that were being made at that time featured this bold new feature called arpeggiator, Mm
1: -hmm. which is
0: where whenever you hear a lot of those old records and you hear the the keyboards going... Mm -hmm. Like single notes of a chord going on really fast... That's just a guy holding down one key yeah. and it makes an entire chord happen like that. Well, I had a Casio growing up. You know, know how it worked, exactly. <laughs> so basically, considering that the keyboard was putting out this rhythmically perfect um, arpeggio sequence, that means that the drummer and stuff had to play to it. So that means that the drummer started having to play with a metronome.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, with a click in his ears cuz like if you right. if you go back and listen to like old Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, John Bonham, dude, there is no click track on that stuff. He is just pushing and pulling. He's making choruses faster. He's making verses slower. It's mm-hmm. this. It's rushing
2: and dragging. Exactly. You gotta which keep is up
0: with his time. Exactly right, which is what's so cool about a lot of that, that old shit. But once we reached the disco age, it was like, well, you can't really make this arpeggiator on this synthesizer, you know, speed up and, and drag with John Bonham. So you just have to play to it. So actually, mm-hmm. at that point is where music started losing that push and pull. Oh, okay. Which is something that started bleeding into the highly produced hair metal yeah. era where everything started mm. being, you know, a little bit more polished, a little bit more aligned to the grid as we say these days and stuff. So our our Abba age actually does have something to do with that, Steve.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a positive thing I think still. Like uh, you can still make music without doing that and it sounds great, Hell but yeah. like it also made, uh, which I mean, uh, I'm sure a lot of our fans probably be disgusted with this, but it makes EDM pop possible. And I, I like EDM, I like techno, I like drum and bass, I, I like, uh, the way that, uh, people were able to take that overproduction and turn it into, uh, something insane and different. Um, i know it's easy to make but whatever you know right
0: well i'll tell you what i really like is how rednecks refer to any kind of electronic music as techno
2: that's true oh yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, there there's so many that's one of the things i think that's great and wonderful about edm is that there's like so many rich different genres that um have made up this uh I guess what we would call now just EDM, but like mm. in the '90s when I was uh, uh taking recreational drugs and, and listening to drum and bass and and, and jungle and trance and oh, all yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. We we all knew the differences between all those genres and could easily tell like what that was. Oh yeah, um, there's more subgenres
0: to that than there are to like to metal and stuff any day of the week. Yeah, and I love electronic music so
2: much, man. I love it. Yep, we just kicked ass, man. We, showed, yeah. we just showed everybody how music should be which is yeah, however you want to do it i guess <laughs> <laughs> basically whatever floats your boat man whatever if floats it your sounds boat. good to me i'll like it there's only
0: two kinds of music this is something my my, my main man travis toy from rascal flat said recently he said there's really only two kinds of music he said there's there's good music and there's bad music mm-hmm. and these days i think i'm actually getting a lot more entertainment out of the bad music which i think is pretty awesome awesome. it's pretty awesome well we're here to talk about one of the most awesome zombie flicks of all time easily without a doubt we're going to be talking about george romero's dawn of the dead today which is uh which is just totally fucking amazing and we really 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 enjoy this flick and i'm very excited to talk with you about it and there's so much to cover but before we do steve considering that this is a movie about an all-out, full-scale, the McWalls zombie mm-hmm. apocalypse. I just feel like before we get into it, we should maybe take like a quiz or something to see if <laughs> yeah. we will survive the zombie apocalypse were it to happen here, right?
2: I feel like if we were to ask someone at BuzzFeed, they could tell us. Who
0: do you think we should ask?
2: Mm, I don't know. I'm just going to pick a random name from BuzzFeed that I know. Luke Bailey. Okay, let's see what he has to say about the topic. And let's take this BuzzFeed quiz together titled, Will You
0: Survive the Zombie Apocalypse? And let's find out if we're going to do it. Now, Steve, let me ask you a question here. Pick a tactic. Are you Uh going to panic? Mm -hmm. Are you going to run? Right. Drink? Okay, I'm already doing all three of these. Yeah, so far so good. (laughs) In your pillow fort? Uh Uh-huh. Hide. Fortify. Or find the cure. Like the band? Yeah. Keep Robert Smith safe. (laughs) Yeah. Keep Robert Smith safe. (laughs) What do we do? Has anyone got eyes on Robert Smith? He's gotta write a really great record about this when it's all over. Just keep him safe.
2: (laughs) Zombies don't cry. Oh my god, dude. Yes. This one is a tough one, but like, uh, I I think from uh any have i've seen a few zombie things from time to time yeah what i've always thought is the most effective tactic is running yeah because they're slow sometimes Um, sometimes they're not yeah if we're doing 28 days later or we're even doing uh, night of the living dead we see a zombie run in that so yeah it's true um but i mean I, i think i would do all of these, if I could, but run is is my number one objective. It's probably a strong call, man. I think myself, I am probably going to try to
0: try to camp it out and hide. I think that's going to be my yeah. my topic right there. I'm going to try to uh, gain some resources and yeah. wait till the whole thing blows over in the Winchester.
2: <laughs> All right, Ben, we'll pick a weapon for the zombie apocalypse. All How right. about this? You could pick a shotgun. Mm. Maybe a baseball bat. Okay. Perhaps a sniper rifle. Alright. Explosives. Ooh. A flamethrower. Coming in hot. Samurai Sword. Kiaku. Machete. Ooh. Assault Rifle. Okay. Or a cricket bat.
0: Okay. Now, this is where my video game instincts really kick in. Uh-huh. Cause I've played a Resident Evil one and two. <laughs> and i know that the problem with firearms is that ammo is a limited resource it is so if i was to pick a shotgun or something like that it's going to be really effective until i run out of bullets and then it's yeah straight up worthless so i actually think i'm going to go with the the infinite ammo weapon of a samurai sword and i'm choosing that over machete because the reach is mm-hmm. longer
2: it is longer and uh, way sharp. We're hoping, yeah, we're hoping this isn't a mall ninja sword. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's an actual like sharp sword.
0: Gatlinburg China Bazaar ninja sword.
2: That's a good choice, and and you're absolutely right. But um, I I I can kind of shoot a gun uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. pretty okay. Um, and the U.S. is just littered with ammunition, literally everywhere. And not enough thoughts and prayers. Yeah, that's not a weapon I can choose. What the fuck? Why can't I choose yeah. thoughts and prayers? Um, I would pick a sniper rifle. Yeah, keep them away. Keep them away. Keep them far away. Again, I'm running, and I'm shooting them from a distance. Actually, these this is exactly how I play... Uh Fallout. I'm a big fan of Fallout. Nice. Uh huge fan of uh using a sniper rifle, sneaking around, and running away if I have to. <laughs> it's not a bad plan, man.
0: It's not a bad plan. Now,
2: Steve, let me ask you. You are trapped by a host of
0: zombies. What mm-hmm. what do you do? Okay. Do you attack on your own, probably sealing your fate, but giving the others a chance to escape? Right. Give up. It's not gonna work. You might as well accept your fate. Hmm. Keep drinking. It's worked so far. Oh, yes. Climb okay. climb to the roof and make a risky aerial escape. <laughs> are you going to try to fight your way out? Or barricade yourself and pray the army will arrive?
2: Well, it looks like several of these choices are uh, give up. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But, yeah. But um, I, I would probably try to climb to the roof and make an aerial escape because my my desire to live is pretty high so i would i would not accept my fate until the exact last moment like there's no way i wouldn't try to find a way out right on and man. the way out definitely wouldn't be for me trying to fight an entire group of zombies that's probably the best
0: choice because also too i mean if it says climb to the roof and make a risky aerial escape it makes you think that you're somewhere very high up yeah. I think that I would much rather just, like, jump off a building and plummet to my death rather than be, yeah. like, ripped apart while I'm alive by zombies. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I that, mean... That's probably the best choice, really.
2: Yeah. Um, Robert Kirkman has said, uh, when people ask him what he would do in the zombie apocalypse, Robert Kirkman, uh, creator of The Walking Dead. Okay. He he has said, I would commit suicide. Mm, okay. Why would you want to live in that world? And it's not... A, not a bad argument <laughs> like well yeah it, it seems like a terrible world to have to live in but uh, I again survival instinct very high I want to I want to keep living so
0: I think I'm gonna get my samurai sword and try to fight my way out since uh, since you took the aerial escape option I'm just gonna try to slash it out dude
2: uh-huh I you know what I mean uh, if, you, if you can control them and just poke them through the head let them pile up; they won't even be able to get through.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh,
2: I mean, it, it's,
0: it's the kind of thing where if there's just like a single entry, then you get a real, you know, thermopylae hot
2: gate scenario. Might that's be able right, to hack man. Down. You know, this is Sparta. You say to them, and <laughs> kick them in a hole. There's some vaguely racist overtones to what's going on. <laughs> vaguely
0: homoerotic <laughs> as well. I don't know. Yeah, that movie is just a real a real conundrum, isn't it?
2: it is it really is because it's first of all entirely inaccurate about sparta oh absolutely talk about uh the boy lovers in athens sparta was fucking boys yeah everywhere in greece was fucking boys what are you talking about yep anyway um (laughs) so ben where do you go first all right the roof okay the pub subway tunnels a park a basement the street. Mm.
0: Okay. I think given these options right here, again, giving my, my hiding and my hot gates scenario, I'm going to go basement because that, that's totally a good place to hole up. And typically with a basement, there's a single entry.
2: The only problem there is you have to have enough supplies to stick it out absolutely but everybody in the
0: south that has a basement has like 800 fucking years worth of canned goods and shit down here so Uh i'll just live off
2: tomatoes forever yeah (laughs) yeah and green beans yeah Uh, um i'm gonna go to a roof i'm gonna use my sniper rifle shoot from the roof the only problem with that is of course you're exposed to the elements but you're in la it's kind of nice yeah exactly i would get a sunburn though i am a pale man oh my god me too man me too
0: (laughs) Right on. All right, so Steve, who is in your crew? Who in oh, your no. crew is it? No one? You ride alone? Ride or die? <laughs> Anyone? Take what you can get. Is okay. it a? Is it a best friend where you have each other's mm-hmm. back? Family, the most important. Family. Carefully chosen crew to survive. There is no other option, or a lover. Your favorite word, love, will keep I hate you that safe word
2: so much. Yeah. <laughs> um. I I mean, one are, of are, is this like basketball or Are we picking teams? I don't understand. Like the likelihood is I would be with my wife. Yeah. And she would trip early on and get killed because she she trips over nothing all the time. Yeah. Yep. 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 Same. But I would start out with my lover, I guess. But I guess if I'm just picking my team. I would say a a carefully chosen crew. But then you end up maybe like uh, the the motorcycle gang in this, where your carefully chosen crew is a bunch of people who are demented.
0: (laughs) Stuff gets pretty interesting at that point. Uh, Yeah, so I'm just going to say lover. Right on. I think I'm going to go with that carefully chosen few, which would include my lover. Your lover. The the will to survive (laughs) in that one is, is very very strong but i think that i would i would choose a careful crew of people that i know have Mm -hmm. good survival skills and and so on so yeah i'm gonna go with that carefully chosen crew
2: ben a member of your group falls behind and is grabbed by the zombies oh shit what what do you do Mm. get your whole crew to turn around and fight them off yeah shoot them in the head it's the most merciful way okay try and pick off the surrounding zombies Run. They're done for either way. Mm. Take a long drink from your hip flask and keep moving. I like that just like being an alcoholic is an option in all of these questions. It is. And (laughs) if I'm very honest, it's probably the truth. Yeah, I was going to say, that's going to be blended into (laughs) all of these answers. Just assume it. Yeah. Hurl yourself into the melee, freeing your friend regardless of the danger to yourself. Okay. So...
0: To me, this is one of those questions that has a variable. Have they already been
2: bitten, bitten? yet? Yeah.
0: Because yeah. if they've been bitten and they've been infected, I will shoot them in the head. It is the most merciful way.
2: Okay, I'm going to say, because it says is grabbed by the zombies, I'm going to say it is in a, the, the split second before they're bitten. So
0: so if they're not bitten, then I'm going to get the whole crew to turn around and fight them off. But Yeah, if, I if mean, they, you got an option. If they are bitten, I would shoot them in the head. So given your... Uh, your parameters here. I'm gonna say, get the whole crew to turn around, fight them off.
2: Yeah, I I would say try and pick off the surrounding zombies. You know, uh, I I'm With using my sniper, sniper rifle. rifle. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna try to hit the ones closest, give them a chance to run. But again, I'm doing that from a distance because I want to live. <laughs> You're doing that from the from the advantage from that God distance. is watching us.
0: God is watching <laughs> us. <laughs> now, Steve, how would you get food? Would you do a foraging? Okay. Would it be raiding other survivors? Mm. Hunting? Okay, yeah. Fishing? Canned food or pets?
2: Oh, Lord. Oh, no. I don't want to be drinking no dog milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man why don't they make dog cheese that's
0: so weird i think that huh. dog milk would be like a sick name for a, like a crust punk band yeah there probably <laughs> they already
2: they're, is dude they're probably, i was gonna say there probably already is and they have like on the cover of their first album it's like an udder with piercings yeah we're doing like a,
0: a, a 10 inch split with indian burn or something yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> skinless Orphan
0: Oh Skinless Orphan dude We had so many good bands in college
2: Yes we Holy really shit. did
0: Skinless Orphan would be the most brutal And then me and Mitch had our imaginary death metal band Called um, uh, Coffin Maker Which is brutal <laughs> dude It's it really like that's is. fucking brutal
2: Coffin Maker Hell yeah um, How would I get figured I mean um, I I would forage My assumption is like I I guess, like, I mean, I would hunt, I would fish if uh, the opportunity presented itself, but foraging makes the most sense. Like, you're going to run across so many, uh, especially if you're in the South where you are, or here, there's so much like fruit and vegetables around. Yeah. People's gardens are going to be just exploding because everybody's dead. So, a lot of fertilizer in the ground. A lot of stuff. Yeah, so that's what I'm going for. You
0: know, considering I'm holed up in that basement, I'm going to be living off of canned food, which does make me sad. As we've discussed, a canned vegetable is yeah. just the worst kind of vegetable of all.
2: Sincerely, yeah.
0: But I don't I don't picture myself hunting or fishing with my samurai sword very much.
2: Yeah, I would love to see you fishing with a samurai sword. It'd be fucking sick, dude. The, the rivers would. would run red. <laughs>
0: with fish blood my other crust punk band (laughs) fish blood and dog milk are going on tour
1: dude
2: the blood and milk tour yeah so ben a zombie is attacking you it is the reanimated corpse of your own mother who birthed you raised you and loved you what Uh, do you do
0: what do you do brother shoot the hostage (laughs)
2: Yeah, you shoot the hostage, and then you figure out what you're going to do with your mom. Yeah. Um, Shoot it in the head. Stab it in the head. Try and get away without actually killing it. Let it bite you. It's too much now. What's the point in living anyway?
0: That just kept going and getting worse.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Might as well jump. Um, (laughs) Get someone else to kill it so you don't have to.
0: It's not my mom's anymore. If that thing's a zombie, man, yeah. I, I, w- I would have to go full lethal and shoot it in the head. That that fucking sucks, but that, mm-hmm. that, that ain't my mom's no more.
2: I mean, um, if somebody else was, was standing nearby with a gun and I could turn around while they, they shot that person in the head, uh, my mom in the head, yeah, that'd be better. I'd prefer to not see my mom's head explode
0: i've got to change my answer to stab it in the head since i have a samurai sword
2: oh right yeah i just realized i'm gonna say get someone else to kill it so i don't have to
0: yeah yeah it's a um, strong
2: choice strong choice though i'll be honest with you uh, my mom is, is she's not very old but she's older mm-hmm. uh suffers from chronic migraines and things like that Oof. i bet she'd welcome death man that's brutal dude chronic <laughs> migraines <laughs> Yeah, they're the worst. I uh, also get migraines. My grandfather does too. It's uh, horrendous, but mine have never been anywhere near as bad as my mom. I remember growing up, my mom would have to just go into a dark room and curl up into a ball and just stay there.
0: Yeah. Does she ever like smoke dope or anything? Does that help? Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Absolutely, she did. And uh, yeah, it does. But like, you know, it's just one of those neurological things that uh, even pain medicine doesn't alleviate no. the uh-uh. pain. No. No. It's ridiculous kate gets them every now and then
0: man and it's just like uh uh-huh. the weekend is over it fucking
2: sucks for her man dude real quick fun story about me i used to get sex migraines
0: what like from banging mm-hmm. you get a migraine mm-hmm. i still no kind of do
2: sometimes yeah i what yeah i can tell when it's about to happen and i can like slow down or stop but like when my wife and i first got married it would happen uh, pretty regularly
0: holy shit
2: yeah, it was terrible. That
0: sucked. <laughs> like, does it happen when you just, like, fucking jerk off or anything?
2: No. No, that's a lot less, you know, physically taxing and Holy stuff. Holy
0: crap, dude. That sucks.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you learn to adjust to it. It's not it's not bad now at all. But at the time, like, when we first married, like, it would be terrible because we, it would be, like, just finished having sex and then I'm lying on the floor going, oh. My wife's like, I broke my husband. Oh, I broke my man. husband. He's broken.
0: You're like, It was so good. <laughs> do you think that's what the song "Hurts So Good is about?
2: It hurts so good. <laughs> I get sex migraines. <laughs> yeah. Damn, dude. So, that fucking sucks. One last question, right. Ben. What do you say? Where do you what? want to end
0: up, Steve? Okay. You want to end up at an alleged safe zone, you fucking snowflake? you want to end up at a pub perhaps the Winchester I'm hoping yeah that's a good place to go an army base Mm mhm you want to end up in a forest a boat or the dessert
2: Mm -hmm. oh man dessert is an option yeah Uh uh-huh Shonies. yeah uh, well here's the thing the thing that I fear most about a zombie apocalypse is other people yeah Um, because other people are horrendous.
0: Yeah. In times of crisis, the worst comes out in humanity.
2: Yeah. So I would want to get on a boat and somehow try to avoid anyone else on a boat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) See, I'm really at odds with that because like part of me, the logical side of me is like, well, you know, if I'm on a boat, I'm on my own island. But of course I have seen Lucio Fulci's zombie And I do know that zombies being dead don't need to breathe and can be underwater all the time.
2: No, they can just walk their asses to you.
0: They can fucking fight a shark underwater. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. God, that movie's the shit. We got to cover that sometime. Obviously. I mean, the other most isolated place would be a desert, but I would die within a day in a desert uh, as I'm also a pale, pale man. And yeah, yeah, I would simply die of skin cancer in like a week. So I think given these options here, I would probably choose a, I'm actually going to go with pub because there's probably going to be a cellar where I can hole up in and keep my, my single entrance point and stuff like that.
2: Well, Ben, guess what I got? What'd you get? Torn apart within a week. God damn it. That's the same thing I got. We answered everything differently. Oh man. I get the feeling this is some sort of joke by this Bailey character. Probably, man. What
0: an asshole. That we're
2: all going to be torn apart within a week.
0: It says you'll make a good effort, a really good effort, but you won't survive. Poor decisions and lack of ruthlessness will doom you. Someone you know might survive, though. Well, fuck you, man. I want to go back and choose, like, just all the drinking answers and see what happens. Be like, you died of alcohol poisoning before anybody could get to you.
2: (laughs) Which is great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Done deal, man. Died with a smile on your face.
2: Um, I... Yeah, I don't know, like, because seriously, like, all of my answers were keep my distance and run. Like, how is that torn apart in a week?
0: Yeah, I don't really understand that. Well, whatever. Fuck that quiz, man. We're here to talk about motherfucking (laughs) goddamn Dawn of the Dead, which is fucking awesome, dude. So, I thought that I had seen this movie before, and then as soon as I started watching it, I realized... I have not seen this movie before. I had seen the <laughs> the modern uh, remake, which came out. When yeah. was that? 2000-something?
2: 2000 yeah, uh, 2004.
0: I remember it having Disturbed on the soundtrack and not liking that. But I remember liking uh-huh. the movie, but yeah. I had never seen the OG. As soon as I started it, I was like, oh my God, I've definitely never seen this before. I would have remembered it because it's amazing. Have you ever watched it before?
2: Yes, I've watched it several times. I used to... Um I mentioned this before, but just in case anyone's tuning in for the first time, I used to teach a class at the University of Tennessee on uh, the undead. Mm -hmm. And I used uh, Dawn of the Dead particularly in the class um, because I I think it is the ultimate source of all things zombie currently. Yeah. Um, Other than George Romero's other pictures, which build off of Dawn of the Dead. And as I've said before, I don't think people have quite caught up to George Romero's vision uh that comes through in Day of the Dead and Land of the Dead. So um but Dawn of the Dead is so perfect for because, you know, uh we recently went through a, a bit of a zombie fad. Yeah. It's not gone completely, but it, it's pretty much over. Um <clears throat> so like well George Romero saw in Dawn of the Dead is what we have been able to comprehend recently when we get further into romero's vision for day of the dead and land of the dead i think we will have another zombie renaissance which could be 20 more years before that happens for sure but uh, this movie's amazing. So good.
0: I've heard it described as being the godfather of zombie movies, and I think that that's very uh-huh. very accurate. The scope of this movie and the way it adds to the lore of zombies and stuff like this, it's just so... This movie is so huge that it's kind of hard to believe.
2: It really is, because this movie, uh, as you mentioned uh, to me when we were texting about it, it's just all huge set pieces. Yeah. Like and the long there there's several cuts of this movie several edits mm-hmm. the shortest being the dario argento edit mm-hmm. and we'll get into why he's involved in a little bit and the longest being the um uh two hour and 30 minute edit Jeez. and if you want you watch any of the edits like you'll see some things that are extended in the extended editions but it still has the same flow like Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel any longer is what i would say for sure okay but that is the thing about this movie is that this movie is just full of set pieces and then downtime and it can get it can get tedious i guess if what you're expecting is a bunch of zombie killing
0: right although there is fucking plenty of that that. oh my god dude the the cut that i watched was i think like two hours and 19 minutes or something like yeah
2: i think that's the the original theatrical u.s theatrical release
0: okay right on is that the one that you watched too
2: yeah that's the first i watched the first one i also watched the extended one right on um, man just for fun i guess
0: and we got to mention that this movie contains a a holy trinity of horror in my book which is to say Mm -hmm. this combination of george romero and Mm -hmm. dario argento and Mm -hmm. soundtrack by fucking goblin
2: you know what let's just go ahead and uh turn that into what is it uh quadrinity yeah (laughs) tom fucking savini
0: also the savines dude oh my god how can i fucking forget dude yeah he is the fourth horseman of the apocalypse that made this movie possible dude Mm -hmm. unbelievable team of dudes that came together and basically like Argento was such a huge fan of Night of the Living Living Dead Dead. yeah Yeah, that whenever Romero said that he was making this one Argento kind of like found him and hit him up and was like you should write it over here in Italy Uh, you need a a change of scenario a change of scenery and stuff and you can write it over here and basically he he did Romero and his uh, his wife right Chris
2: yeah they they stayed in Rome with Dario Argento and they he wrote the script and Dario Argento does not really speak English and George no. Romero does not speak Italian no and uh, George Romero's wife talked about I'm sorry I can't remember her name uh she talked about Chris is her name Chris yeah. that's her right. um. Uh, talked about how they would get together for lunch and it would just be Argento pointing at things and going, I like, I like. Yeah, and, yeah. And George Romero like pointing at other things. Like it was just them rudimentary. Like Dario Argento basically was just a huge fan of this and got funding, um, further funding for the movie to be made by uh, helping romero uh, trade the international distribution rights for like a million bucks basically
0: which is an amazing an amazing move in terms of business yeah. and in terms of just like horror icons working yeah. together to make such an incredible flick this is happen
2: this is exactly the type of movie that we need um where you have horror lovers getting together yeah people that love the genre exactly not yeah. not
0: you know, Hollywood execs thinking what is going to sell. It's people that love each other's work and love the genre getting Uh, together to make something awesome happen. This is like the temple of the dog of horror movies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It
2: is. Um, So that, that all happened also um, around the time before uh, he even decided to make a sequel. He had gotten together with his college buddy who invited him to a property his, co- his company managed, which was the Monroeville Mall, mm-hmm. which is where Dawn of the Dead is shot. Um, his buddy showed him around, showed him some of the hid- hidden areas of the mall, and uh, joked about how someone would be able to survive in the mall in case of an emergency. And Romero noticed, like, the blank faces of the people walking around and just their general overall shamble and, like, he was interested in that moment in writing a sequel to the night of the living dead. And, and then, you know, he gets the funding from Dario Argento and then uh, his buddy's company, uh, offers up the Monroeville mall to shoot in while, while it is still operational, um, and offers more funding. Yeah. So they, they shot then in the Monroeville mall, which is, uh, a mall like it was a big mall that people went to on a regular occasion
0: one of the first big indoor you know shopping yeah. malls and so on that was kind of you know before our childhoods where the the shopping malls started yeah. really taking over malls this is one of everywhere. the first ones yeah. that was like a big indoor multi-store kind of complex yeah. and it's amazing how george saw the writing on the wall of like where this was going to be taking america and taking consumerism
2: yeah and so they they shot between eleven at night and seven in the morning. Jeez, dude. They had to have everything cleaned up and, and be out by seven because the customers would show up. That's <laughs> so, unbelievable
0: considering especially towards the later scenes in the movie mm-hmm. where they started making a real mess in the mall. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about this. Driving scale.
2: motorcycles, cars dude, in the mall.
0: Totally, man. And I mean mm-hmm. just hundreds of people on the set at a time. It's Mm-hmm. it's absolutely unbelievable that they made this I think work.
2: like that's that's one of the things that they talk about the, you sent me uh, title of a documentary and I checked it out I can't remember the title though oh is it um, the dead the dead will walk or something like that yeah
0: I think that's what yeah. it is I just looked on YouTube for making of dawn yeah. of the dead and there's this amazing that's- what is it about an hour long documentary about it yeah
2: it's about an hour huh
0: it's so fucking good man
2: so in depth so great and what they talk about is that the people of Pittsburgh just cuz like they were proud of Night of the Living Dead which was also shot in Pittsburgh which is uh George Romero went to Carnegie Mellon in in Pittsburgh and they were very proud of Night of the Living Dead so when they heard that they were shooting uh da- Dawn of the Dead and they needed extras people just hundreds of people showed up yeah in droves. blood poured on them and and makeup uh, smeared on them and to be fake killed for free, yeah. It's just uh, the people of the community wanted this m- this movie to happen. Um, amazing, it's amazing. Yeah, like the idea that this movie—if if you haven't seen it—the idea that this movie was made for one point five million dollars, even in '78, when one point five million was a, a bit more than it is now. The it's idea unreal. That this movie—it's unreal. They have an entire mall. They shot for like three months. They have a helicopter. They have trucks tons of actors tons trucks all sorts of stuff that you couldn't possibly get for 1.5 million dollars no which which means that these people in pittsburgh just came together to make this movie well that's That's something they were
0: talking about in the documentary too is that a lot of those people that you see later on in the movie like in the mall or even in the beginning Uh of the movie in the crowds and stuff like this like those were just people that would show up just to be in the movie and work for like a dollar and a donut like they would be there yep from like you said 11 at night to 6 in the morning and they'd get paid by a donut or they would Uh volunteer to eat fucking pig intestines or whatever because they were just so uh huh proud to be a part of that movie which is like i can totally understand dude if fucking yeah
2: 100 percent, yeah I dude it.
0: i would be on board with that too man if if i knew that a production of this scale was going on be like, yeah whatever you don't have to pay me just let me be in it mm-hmm. i'm stoked to do that
2: i think you know um you see that a bit with the walking dead like the walking dead they they have so many people showing up wanting to be zombies game of thrones like, too Game of Thrones. Yeah, people want to be involved in being a dead person, I guess. Like what is that? You yeah. want to play dead? It's awesome, I, man. It is awesome. I mean, uh, again, like we're we're past that full zombie craze. We're beyond it at this point. Um but, you know, in in the midst of it, 2009, 2010, like, you know, it, zombie walks were all the rage. Yeah,
0: so when Walking Dead was like every everybody's fucking TV was on Walking Dead and yeah. all that shit.
2: Yeah, so like uh, it's real interesting to me, and we'll talk about it more, I think, as we get into this. But it's real interesting to me how much people identify with zombies. Right. And how weird it is that when we all think of ourselves in a zombie apocalypse, we think we would be the survivor. But when we all like imagine ourselves in a zombie movie we want to be the zombie
1: yeah like that's <laughs> it's the
2: like more man that'd be really role. fun to be the
0: zombie yeah that's a re- that's a really good point man
2: yeah you get all the cool makeup and stuff like i get don't know get your why head we... blown off or something yeah you might get to get your head blown off which happens in this and or maybe have your head uh smashed by the rotor of a helicopter blade oh my
0: god dude the kills in this (laughs) so many fucking out of control man and i want to get into that as we talk about tom savini and stuff but i mean to me the first thing i got to talk about this movie is is the beginning of this flick because oh man uh, again this is this is the first time that i ever watched this flick and so Mm -hmm. i didn't know much about it but i knew it was a zombie movie in a mall Mm mm-hmm but it's actually about like what would you say, forty five minutes to an hour before you actually
2: get mm-hmm. in the mall? About yeah, I'd say about forty minutes.
0: This movie started and I was like, is this the movie that I thought that it was? Because it begins in this newsroom where it is just our, our main kind of character there, Fran waking up after a nap, sleeping against a wall and waking up to total chaos. Yeah, of newscasters and guests arguing about What's going on or whether it's a hoax, it's like very uh War the worldy in a lot of ways mm-hmm. where people are arguing about what to do and people are panicking, and people's tempers are getting really really, really flared up and they're yelling at each other and shit, which I really do think is what would what would happen in a situation yes. like this. I think that the whole kind of like facade of professionalism and journalism and uh you know calmness and stuff like this that these newscasters deliver to us whenever they're reporting. A news story i think that would fade away so oh, yeah. fast
2: it fades away the moment you know that a paycheck is worthless yeah that
0: wow that's a great way to put it that's exactly fucking right yeah the
2: moment you know the paycheck's worthless you can become the journalist you wanted to be in front of the camera which is wow uh you know you can you can say this is bullshit or whatever you can be completely clear about what you feel one of the things that is real great in that opening scene is actually what is going on in front of the camera the two guys arguing yeah it's a it's great they deliver it so perfectly well and like they seem um, pissed dude they seem real mad Uh, the thing that they're debating is interesting because it's very current yeah The, the idea that what is happening isn't happening Oh, my God, yeah,
0: fake news, fucking shit.
2: Yeah, or that what the, everyone's telling you to do is not
0: right. Right. Yeah, that, that should sound familiar to us right now.
2: It should, it should. In fact, like, I would put this, um, if we're talking about movies that really get down to uh, the core of journalism, it's it's this and Network, and they came out in 78 and 79, like people were really obsessed with news and where they were getting their media from and how like how true it all was even then Mm -hmm. um so it's weird when we think that people you know people think oh this fake news stuff that's all new no it's not like people have been talking about that or just dismissing things that everybody knows to be true for a long long time
0: i love too how this movie starts out though and there's no like you know the year is 1980 the zombie plague broke out 10 years prior like there's none of that like you are just you just dropped into it dumped right into it yeah which is very different from other movies of this time period where there usually is some kind of you know setup like you think about the star wars crawl at the intros it's like Mm -hmm. there's usually something telling you where you are but in this movie it starts with fran waking up in the middle of this total fucking pandemonium Mm-hmm. And it does not stop for like an hour and a half because as soon as you're done with this like newsroom utter shit show, just seeing society fall apart even on the broadcasting level, you're immediately taken to this uh, apartment raid scene, this evacuation and this um, extermination of zombies in this apartment building mm-hmm. that are all like black people and Haitians and stuff, right?
2: Yeah, it's it is a building that is absolutely populated with just minorities um which is you know uh interesting already like what what is it that they're going for in this building like why is the SWAT team surrounding this building what we get from the little bit that you hear in the background and the some something you can gather from the snippets of conversation is that everyone has been ordered to evacuate private residences and gather in the designated uh, points mm-hmm. where they will then be protected, supposedly by uh, the armed forces. And so these people in this building refuse to leave. Mm-hmm. And this is the reaction to that: they send in a SWAT team uh, of people to just start shooting. Like, yeah, they annihilate everybody, and there is some
0: awesome, awesome some gore, kills, dude. Yeah. That that headshot in there. Uh-huh, holy <sighs> shit man that's just that's Savini all over the place like that's like maniac, you know fucking yeah, exploding head shotgun fucking shit it's so badass dude and, and again, it's like you're just dumped in right there there isn't yeah. really this setup you don't know who any of the characters are no. you're just watching shit just come unglued for like yeah. the first hour of this movie you're like, what the fuck is going on but you're just hanging on by the edge of your seat man
2: and there's one guy in the crew who is uh, gives us his obviously racist speech that he sounds so familiar strangely like yeah. you, know, you hear it and it's like yep that's what people still say yeah. yep um but then he's just going around kicking in doors and shooting like he's not even paying attention to if he's shooting zombies or or, or live humans or what like no. he's just excited to get to kill minorities
0: yeah totally man Which, totally
2: i don't know if you've ever heard of a cop being that way but uh, i don't know
0: maybe maybe i've heard tell of it heard a rumor
2: yeah maybe that happens sometimes from i don't know uh uh, maybe once a week or so (laughs) um yeah uh, anyway so you got that going on and then we're introduced to our two characters uh trooper and and peter peter shoots the crazy racist cop he shoots him and kills him because the guy's going crazy. Yeah. Um. Then he goes down to the basement, basically to hide, I guess, because he's like, what's going to happen to me? I just shot another cop. Yeah, that basement scene is awesome, dude. It is. It's so awesome because Peter comes down there, and Peter's talking to him, et cetera, but then... The priest comes out who's missing a leg, and I don't know, did he did he cut off his leg and feed it to those people? Because they're eating something.
0: I have no idea. I was wondering the same thing. That's just like there's so much stuff in this movie that's like unspoken, but it's just kind of left for you to be like, what do you think happened?
2: Yeah, exactly. Fucking good, man. The guy, uh the priest comes out and he He says you are stronger than us he's talking about the the cops you're yep. stronger than us but soon i think they will be stronger than you um which is this ominous setup uh that comes to pass they yeah. are in fact stronger a much bigger force etc and the cops just have to to abandon Uh, not not only abandon the mission but abandon being cops they just leave all the cops they're like fuck it i am out of here there's no yeah uh that basement scene though is real effective because uh we saw peter kill uh, and peter's played by ken Forey who uh you probably know from other horror movies but specifically he's in i think almost all of rob zombies yeah pretty
0: much probably because he's such a huge fan of this shit
2: yeah, but also he's great. Like, he's so he's awesome, good in this. Dude. He's He's got that, like, uh, intensity, like, that intensity that just comes across. Yeah, and a
1: confidence, uh, too. Through his
2: eyes, and a confidence, just perfect. And, like, that that's the thing that's interesting to me in the beginning is that he very confidently steps in and kills pe- uh, the, the racist cop who's going crazy and yeah. shooting everyone. But then when he's down in the basement and he sees all the zombies he has this sort of look of pity on totally his face. yeah
0: he's a very human kind of character he is not mm-hmm. just like a stone cold badass motherfucking kind of guy like he is a rational human in this movie and it's interesting too that you know in this era which uh for those of you guys who might be tuning in for the first time like our entire theme here on our show for the month of black history month here in february is movies where the the black guy survives uh, yeah. It's interesting that in this era of the black exploitation film, like he is not ever portrayed as, you know, fucking Shaft or Dolomite or any like black exploitation kind of character. No, that, you know, he's one bad brother or anything like that. Like no, he's yeah. he's just another character, which plays into Romero's aesthetic because people made such a big deal in Night of the Living Dead that you know our main dude in that movie was i can't remember his name but he was a black dude
2: yeah and he's he is the final guy in that he makes it all the way to the end
0: and people made a big deal out of it and they're like oh man he made such a strong racial message blah 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 and romero was just like i just thought he was a good actor i didn't even see his color he's like i don't care
2: yeah he didn't write him to be a black character he just took the best actor yeah
0: exactly which is so cool that in this movie too he was like i didn't cast uh ken Fareed to make yeah. a black exploitation zombie movie i just cast him because he's a good actor and he played this character really well i think that that's fucking awesome man again especially yeah. in that era
2: yeah it's i mean it's still uh a problem people still aren't colorblind casting I mean I understand when a character is specifically written to be a particular race like yeah. it would be odd if you say had a white nationalist character who was played by a Middle Eastern fellow or something like that would it would be like okay well how, how yeah, does that sure. work cuz yeah. he's not white unless the unless it's about how he's not white but he thinks white people are better like it, it's going to be a problem but generally or it's most Tyrone
0: Biggins the black white supremacist might,
2: yeah he doesn't know he's blind <laughs> God that skin is still fucking amazing It really is I I think that like the way that this plays out Peter who is listed online as as 6 foot 5 wow he he is uh, a good cop a good shot etc but he has uh, a strong emotional side to him and then he's contrasted with trooper i can't remember his actual name because i was just thinking of him as trooper that's yeah, what peter totally. calls him all the time yeah i
0: love their dynamic it kind of turns into like a little bit of buddy cop bromance with
2: those two exactly and and like and the thing is that uh that the you know actor who plays trooper he is listed online at five foot seven I think he's shorter than that because anytime yeah. there's there's only a couple of shots where you see him and Peter standing straight up near each other, and Peter yeah. is more than a head tall, more oh, than yeah. a head taller than him, way bigger, <laughs> way bigger. But like uh, Trooper, he's he's gung ho. Like uh, he he sees Peter, you know, struggling to to shoot the zombies in the basement. And he steps in. Um. He, but he doesn't question it he then is like off he offers peter to come with him like you can come with me i'm going to meet my friend who's got a helicopter like they they didn't know each other before this yeah uh, but he uh, they there's this immediate sort of bond between them that really does play out well throughout the movie like they they play off each other exactly like you said like it's a buddy cop movie and
0: it's a relatively small cast we've got the the buddy cops we got fran who is our 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 lady that worked at the news station. Uh-huh. We've also got Steven. Um, aka flyboy. Exactly. Who was also he was like also a newscaster or something. Yeah, right? yeah.
2: He flew the chopper. Uh the weather copter right. or whatever, traffic copter.
0: And he's kind of the uptight sort of dude of the whole bunch.
2: Yeah. He he's also the le- like the least capable. Yeah. Um I mean Fran doesn't know how to do any of the things that she needs to do at the beginning yeah. but she quickly picks them up and I love it
0: she's a badass dude and she's an absolute badass that's something that's so cool too about when you watch like the making of this movie and stuff you see that George Romero part of what makes him such a cool director and stuff is that he listens to his actors you know Mm -hmm. he listens to his actors whenever they say I don't think this character would do this or I think my character would do this and he goes okay let's shoot it yeah and there's a huge scene in this movie where Fran uh, is encountering this zombie who's like eating a guy yeah. and like in the original script, it's at the airfield, exactly in the original script, you know, she was supposed to like scream and run away and stuff like this. And, and yeah, she told George Romero, she's like, I don't think that she would do that. Mm-hmm. like I don't think that she would scream and run away and be the dainty, effeminate yeah. flower character. And he listened and he said, okay, he's like, I think you're right. Let's go with it. Yeah and it's so cool she is kind of the opposite of the the typical when you think about a zombie movie from back in the day you know running and twisting well, yeah. her ankle and getting overtaken by the zombie she doesn't do exactly. any of that yeah. she's actually very stoic even though she is you know later portrayed as kind of being almost the most vulnerable one because she uh, announces that she's pregnant and stuff Yeah, but she doesn't give a fuck she is still in it to survive man
2: yeah and that's that's the interesting thing that you you get absolutely immediately that Peter recognizes is when they're when she goes out to the the copter the helicopter and uh, those other cops are there like raiding the cop station Um, she doesn't react in a, a way that sh- indicates that she is worried about this situation yeah and then the guy asks her for cigarettes and she says, I don't have any cigarettes. And then the second they get in an airplane, she lights up a cigarette. And yeah I love I love Peter's face because he just looks over at her and he he gets this smirk, just like, Okay, I see. Like you you are smart. <laughs> like you yeah. know what you're doing. And dude, so, the thing
0: is is like that is how most of the women in my life would yeah. act and react in this exactly. situation,
2: dude. Yeah, like, oh, my God. I grew up with uh, a grandfather who uh, screams and yells and is a a hulking uh, man. Uh, And I grew up with uh, a bunch of women who would just hear that screaming and yelling and go, oh, shut up, bud.
0: Yeah, dude. It's like, dude, I'm serious, man. I I know exactly what you mean. It's like so many of the women in my life are so much more fucking hardcore yeah. And badass and stoic than the men that I have known in my life. That's just a oh, fact, yeah. dude. That's just a 100%. fucking fact, dude. I mean like like I mentioned on another podcast, man, it's like you know, Kate's grandmother on her mom's side who who was Oma. You know, functionally my grandmother. Yeah, Oma, dude. It's like man. Uh-huh. She lived through the fucking war, dude. She was in yeah. Berlin in World War II. It's like She's a badass. She's been in the shit and she is a fucking badass dude she is mm-hmm. so much more hardcore than any dude i have ever known in my life so i really appreciate the representation of a uh, uh, of fran in this a movie. strong woman yeah but yeah. At, but at the same time at the same time she's not like this um i don't know ball crushing emasculating yeah character she's just like well whatever she just fucking deals with yeah. shit it's fucking awesome it's a great portrayal
2: yeah that i mean that is that is like the negative when you tell uh, a male writer to write a strong female character he's like oh so like write a dude
0: yeah exactly or like write a man hating fucking hardcore yeah yeah exactly yeah
2: because that's a strong woman a real bitch well like, yeah because
0: that's probably what a man might think right
2: yeah but like that's i mean that's not it that's not a strong man either a dick of a man is not a strong man it's a weak man he's afraid that's why he's a dick
0: yes he's full of
2: anxiety and fear yep um so yeah like her choice to not scream but that's the the one great thing in that scene is she doesn't scream but she is also frozen in fear for a a bit Mm -hmm. she has to overcome being frozen, but what happens is she recognizes she's frozen because she doesn't know what to do. Yeah. So later, later she insists that they teach her how to shoot a gun and totally. how to fly the helicopter and stuff like. She wants to know what to do. Yep. And, and guess
0: what? She learns those skills just fine.
2: Yeah, she learns them just fine. No problems. Whereas the uh, fly boy, who is great at flying a helicopter, never really gets the hang of shooting a gun or uh you know being uh present and aware in a stressful situation he always seems to do the wrong thing so there's a good juxtaposition there then that helps us further recognize that she's a badass
0: and the cool thing in this movie too is after we get that initial newsroom scene and then we get the the apartment raid scene which is just total you know it's one of those things that like you didn't really, 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 really need that apartment raid scene for the story to, to progress and stuff. Right. But to me, dude, it is just such strong world building Uh to let you know what's going on on the street level like it just lets you know how the world is working right now that
2: is the absolute beauty of this movie yeah is that if you watch the full extended version all you're getting is more and more about the world it's really like if somebody were to say to you like hey we added uh 10 minutes to every game of thrones episode it'd be like awesome great yeah i'd like to watch it i'd like to see that
0: and the cool thing is too is we also get other world building stuff like whenever you see the the big gang of just basically the motorcycle
2: gang well like yeah. the
0: big gang of beer drinking rednecks and stuff that
2: oh right right when they're flying over and yeah. man, that is a huge deal too because exactly what we were talking about the cops are raiding this uh, uh apartment building full of minorities and just shooting people yeah but then the white people are just fucking drinking beer <laughs> just hanging out drinking beer they're hanging out drinking beer with the soldiers and the cops yeah the cops are just like yeah whatever and i mean you guys just can hang out here it's picking fine.
0: off zombies for target practice and like laughing about it I'm like oh shoot the gas tank in that car blow it up like yeah having a great time it is incredible the social commentary that romero put into this shit i mean i'm talking like Way, way Way ahead ahead of its time. Like, I feel like if if this movie came out today, people would be like, This movie has some fucking brass balls on it.
2: Well, I think mostly what we'd hear is a whole lot of people being like, Hey, you know, like, guns are good and stuff, guys. Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you. Hey, you snowflakes need to stop being so mean to me.
0: Oh, my God, mm. dude.
2: Thoughts and oh. prayers, guys. My God. You know God. what you really need in schools?
0: Ex-military guys with guns. That would stop it. Dude, I'm just going to take a quick side diversion and say, I, I mean, for, for one, I feel nothing but absolute sorrow and sadness for everybody yeah. who is affected by the most the most recent school
2: shooting in america yeah. well I, by the time this comes out that might not be true that's why i
0: said it that way exactly <laughs> yeah that's why i just said unspecifically the most recent one but man the amount of people that i've seen on fucking facebook and shit posting, you know what we need to do is arm teachers and it's like god damn dude think about the most idiotic incompetent mm-hmm. Fucking yeah. 70 year old Coke bottle glasses wearing mm-hmm. teacher you had teaching economics in high school. Uh-huh. And now let's with go ahead and give that guy a piece. Yeah, I'm sure he's a fucking crack shot with that thing with his shaky hands and fucking Coke bottle I'm glasses. I'm sure will be able
2: to differentiate which student is shooting and which is a target.
0: And I'm also sure that, you know, that guy in a room full of like 17 year old varsity athletes i'm sure he'll be able to maintain control of his weapon and not get wrestled away from it in fucking 10 Mm. seconds dude people are actually supporting this notion what in the fuck
2: like uh, they don't want to increase their taxes for sure so how the fuck are you going to do it what like what like just in your uh, like i know uh, no conservatives are probably listening to this but in your tiny little conservative mind imagine this Teachers have to pay for their own supplies. Yeah, they can't even get pencils with
0: a tax write-off anymore.
2: They're paid lower middle-class wage. This is a, this is a skilled job. There is no uh, real like job prospect for development. Maybe you become principal, like yeah. maybe. And now you're telling them, oh, also you're responsible if somebody breaks in here with a gun. You're responsible. We expect you to take them out um oh also it's it should be cool with you to have on your conscience that you shot a 19 year old even though he was shooting other 19 or 18 17 year olds yeah it should be fine with you the thirty four thousand dollars you take home at the end of the year will probably console you yeah really right shit
0: god damn it fuck me dude all of this shit is just so unbelievably stupid to me I, i i can't even make sense of it and Not to get off on too huge of a tangent, man, but it's like you and I both grew up in the South, and
2: we grew up.
0: Yeah, we grew up around guns everywhere, and we also grew up reaping the benefits of responsible gun owners. And I'm talking about. I know plenty of people that stopped home invasions and stuff because they had a 410 by their Mm. bedside. I have also eaten plenty of of deer and and quail and pheasant and stuff like this that was caught by somebody going off and. And hunting and providing for their family. And that's a different story fucking entirely. I
2: also went to school with a guy who killed his dad, shooting him 13 times with a twenty-two rifle. There's and that. And knew a guy who uh, may have killed himself or may have been killed by a friend with Jesus. a gun. So, yeah, like, even even in areas where people are used to guns and art, I, I never met anyone who wasn't taught respect for guns. The first yeah. time someone pointed a gun at me, like unloaded thinking like, "Oh, this is funny." Oh no, no. Was, uh-uh. It was an idiot who wasn't from the South. Yeah, and exactly. And I was just like, "Don't point that fucking don't point a gun at anybody ever for any reason unless you intend to kill them. What are you doing?" Exactly.
0: And and I'm not trying to play it up like only people in the South know how to use guns. I know so many no, people with yeah, open carry it. permits that yeah, are fucking idiots that I would not trust yeah. farther than I can fucking throw them. But I'm just saying, it's like, we grew up, at least in some capacity, around people that were responsible gun owners, responsible gun users, and stuff like this, man. But, dude, I mean, the the, the idea that, like, in order to be a teacher, well, it's like, okay, you need to go to college and get your master's in teaching and child psychology Mm -hmm. and...
2: Well, it's it's a five-year program at UT where you get your bachelor's and whatever, and then you, you... do another year and then you also have you know student teaching and stuff like that like and and the end result is is well but
0: then also target practice and fucking
2: yeah now you got now you got target practice (laughs) what threat assessments and de-escalation tactics that's what i'm saying learn to become a police officer as well as a a teacher in order to teach
0: are you and then to make like you said fucking thirty thousand dollars a year are you fucking kidding me
2: yeah it's it's ridiculous and the, the thing is like
0: my god man
2: any, any one of the suggestions i that i've seen from my you know nra supporting uh family and friends mm-hmm. um any of the suggestions i've seen it's all been like okay but who's gonna pay for that yeah exactly. who's gonna pay for that yep y- you want you want to put metal sectors in all the schools first off doesn't change anything it doesn't like no school shooter has ever Well, I guess some have come to school, waited a little while, and then shot, but the big school shootings have always been people coming in and shooting immediately. Right,
0: yeah. It's a rush situation.
2: So the metal detectors are just blaring in the background. So what? So what? Who did that stop? Yeah. I I don't know. It's it's idiotic. Anyway, um (laughs) (laughs) Let's get let's get back to some fun loving zombies. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's tough, man. I do think, though, uh, in a very negative way that the um, rise of zombies again in the mid-2000s to early 2010s did spark a lot of people buying more guns. And, I mean, it's not the fault of the creators of these things, but people get spooked easily. They see this and they're like, well, i got to prepare for this. Yeah. Well, first off, this is, this isn't going to happen. No, it, there's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. There, uh, any sort of disease that would do that is far too complicated. It's it, like it, it, people would cite like, well, there's that thing that makes ants like it takes the minds of ants and makes them like climb up to the highest piece of grass so it gets, eats by, gets eaten by a rabbit, so right. the rabbit gets the parasitic brain worm or whatever. Sure, that's that's an ant. Yeah, an yeah. ant's an ant's mind is way more off, simple. Uh, way more simple, but they don't even have mind. Mind isn't even proper. They just have sensory uh, input and like they respond. That's it. Like they don't have a mind. We far too complicated for there to ever be a zombie apocalypse. What you're actually preparing for when you're buying all those guns is to kill people.
0: Yeah, because that—that's the thing—is like weapons like that are just made to—to kill people. That's that's what they're for. Like when you hear improper use of firearms, it's like actually that's the proper use of that firearm. Like
2: Mm -hmm. an AR-15 is for killing people. It's for killing
0: people. Yeah, you're not gonna go fucking hunt quail or a deer with that. That's that's not that's also not a home defense weapon. (laughs) Unless you
2: unless you just want to see an explosion of feathers.
0: (laughs) Yeah, in which case you're sick. I hit that quail (laughs) twelve
2: times. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Jesus Christ, man. Now speaking of speaking of murder, uh, I gotta point out, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I've gotta point out that the amount of kills in this movie is probably unparalleled. I cannot think of any movie period where I think yeah. I've seen as many headshots and yeah. kills as there are in this flick. Man, it's totally like, well, you know, the story that they told about Savini is they hit him up and they're like, "Hey, start thinking of ways you'd want to see people get killed."
1: Yeah, and I love they that let him so just, much. Yeah,
0: and they let him just fucking run amok with it. The amount and variety of zombie kills in this movie is is unbelievable. Let's spend a second here and talk about some of the most the yeah. most memorable ones. We already we already mentioned the the head explosion in the apartment. There's also a scene where a zombie gets the top of his head cut off by a helicopter
2: okay so those two scenes i'm glad you mentioned them yeah that was uh the exploding head rig was intended for fran who was going the ending was going to be that peter shoots himself and fran sticks her head in the uh rotor of the helicopter way grim way grim uh and so the exploding head uh setup was for that and then when you know they decided to not go with that they were like well we could still (laughs) shoot a guy and make his head explode yeah and then they also did the rig where the top of the head comes off because they were like that's still a cool idea of having the so those those two kills are amazing i really like the machete kill when blades aka tom savini comes in who fuck yeah dude (laughs) um the the kill is just you know uh, a machete going into a head, but it looks so good.
0: It's straight out of, it's straight out of fucking uh, Friday the 13th. Like yes, with the hatchet absolutely. kill.
2: But this is pre-Friday the 13th. This is the movie that got Tom Savini Friday the 13th. Totally, so.
0: dude. Totally. You can tell he took what he learned from this movie and expanded on it in his in his later flicks. I love that that yeah. kill though. Apparently they had like a blade with, you know, like a segment cut out of it. Yeah. And they had it wrapped around the dude's head, and then he retracted it, but then they...
2: Then they showed it in reverse. Yeah, yeah
0: dude, but it yeah, looks perfect. like it impacts so solidly mm-hmm. right into that guy's skull. It's fucking amazing, dude. You've also got a zombie that gets killed by a screwdriver getting shoved in his ear.
2: Uh-huh. Gosh, that one, again, like, some of these kills were just on-the-fly changes. They had to shoot that kill because um Trooper grabs a jacket and ties it around his waist and then later he doesn't have the jacket on and yeah, they're like wait what that happened it. so yeah. then he didn't have the jacket on and so they come up with this kill yeah so the, the zombie basically pulls the jacket off of him yeah and, so <laughs> and then it's they had an to awesome way for him to die like, can you imagine As a director, having Tom Savini on set and just being like, hey, Tom, we need to uh, cover for this. And he's like, okay, I got an idea. Yeah, I got this. We'll we'll fucking shove a screwdriver in a zombie's ear. And again, that
0: that goes back to what I was saying earlier about Romero's faith in his his cast. It's Romero's faith in his crew, too, to be like, hey, I fucked up. Could you fix this? Yeah, sure. And then Mm -hmm. he comes up with something that's fucking badass. You've also got zombies getting killed by getting hit by trucks one of which is also uh-huh. tom savini tom savini <laughs> <laughs> tom savini is in this movie so many times dude you've got zombies getting killed by like um like spinning maces like there's a guy that has like a fucking mace uh, like a morning uh-huh. star kind
2: of rig yeah there um the the bikers get all the good kills i feel oh like oh my
0: god dude yeah. yeah so sick
2: there's also like um, there's the f- <laughs> they show this guy at about the midway of the movie, but he's just a big fat dude in uh, swim trunks.
0: Yeah, I love the fat zombie. He's awesome.
2: And then he gets shot and falls into the the fountain. Yeah, like there's nothing specifically amazing about that. I just love that there was a dude who was like, I'm just gonna show up in swim trunks in the middle of winter. Yeah, as a zombie, like, fall into this fountain. <laughs> fall into this fountain. Yeah. it's was- uh that's a good one. Like I I think a lot of the kills, you know, are really just good uh explosion like exploding head type of things or whatever. So many
0: squibs, dude. So many squibs had to be used in the making of this fucking flicks. And it's just like almost senseless at times where there's almost just montages uh-huh. of just like well of let's just, just watch fifteen zombies. Yeah, of just like here's fifteen zombies getting killed. Whatever. Yeah.
2: The one that I think is maybe the most effective in conveying something about the story is in the the tenement apartment where uh the woman is trying to protect her husband who yeah. has died and come back. Oh yeah and then he bites her Ooh, and like yeah. rips away the flesh. It looks so good. Like she's
0: got that shreddy mozzarella skin.
2: Uh-huh. Like there there are some issues of course with the makeup like uh because uh Savini decided you know just make all the zombies gray right like that would be the quickest because they're they're having to you know put makeup on so many extras the easiest way is to just use gray powder makeup and and you know add some blood or whatever yeah the problem is depending on the lighting sometimes it looks blue sometimes it looks green (laughs) sometimes it looks gray yeah a lot of them look
0: real smurfy throughout the movie
2: yeah I mean, the the makeup in general is amazing. It doesn't um, bug me it, at all, dude. Like, honestly, no, it, it does. And on, on, it. and
0: honestly, too, like even before I watched that, that making of thing where they're like, yeah, it was supposed to be gray, but sometimes it looked kind of blue. In my head, I was kind of like, that's kind of cool that they're blue because yeah, all of their body would be deprived of oxygen because they're not breathing. And obviously, whenever you don't breathe, you start to turn blue. Like, I thought that just kind of made sense of just yeah. like, yeah, they're not consuming oxygen. They're dead.
2: It also reminded me of a movie, um, I Was a Teenage Zombie, Mm -hmm. which is a movie that is really small. And um, I'm constantly in awe of the movies that we had available to us at Video West. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Buzz. R.I.P. Buzz. (laughs) That movie... Um, I was a teenage zombie, which is a very small, uh, independent picture from from New York. I saw that when I was like six or seven, mm-hmm. and the zombie in it, he's like a greenish blue, mm-hmm. and like it's one of those things that I just associated the two. I just thought like, oh yeah, zombies are supposed to be greenish, bluish type of of color. Awesome. Uh, it wasn't until later with the zombie Renaissance that I was like, oh, I guess they could look a bit more realistic.
0: <laughs> How about that scene where that dude gets completely ripped apart by the zombies and he's basically wearing like a fake chest that's full of like pig intestines and pig guts mm-hmm. and stuff that Tom Savini <laughs> got from a slaughterhouse near yeah. where he lived. Dude, it's so brutal. Like when this movie it came really out, is. it was it was unrated. And yeah. that makes sense cuz I was watching this flick and I was like, I cannot fucking believe The stuff that they're showing and it's shown in that kind of like what we talked about with maniac where it's just this very matter of fact 70s way it's not stylized it's not you know lit with weird grimy light it's not it doesn't look like saw or the ring or anything like that like it's just this very matter of fact like well this is how reality looks and this guy's getting his guts ripped out which i find way more disturbing than these yeah Hyper gritty filtered fucking things that we see in horror flicks now. Like, I think it's way more disturbing when stuff just looks normal. But this guy is getting his shit ripped out.
2: Yeah, exactly. I I like that a lot of the lighting seems to be that uh shitty overhead lighting yeah, that like you would mall get light. in a shopping mall. Yeah, totally. Um, it really does. Like, I mean, because you could shoot and, and this is what Zack Snyder did with. Uh, You know the mall in the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's it's much grittier, much darker, etc. etc. But then it doesn't feel like a mall.
1: No, I've never been in a
2: mall when it's dark. Mm -mm. Every time I'm in a mall, it's that shitty overhead fluorescent lighting. So, um, it it really helps you to feel like you're there. I can actually almost smell the fountain anytime I see a mall.
0: Or an Auntie Every Anne's mall pretzel. has a
2: fountain for some reason. Or an Auntie Anne's pretzel <laughs> where you can get a delicious cinnabite.
0: <laughs> and that lemonade, they got that fucking lemonade that's so irresistible.
2: It really is. And not good for you, but delicious. Hell
0: no, man. Like most of my favorite things. Like David Lee Ross <laughs> said, everything I like makes me sick or broke.
2: <laughs> man, we should talk about David Lee Roth more. This guy, in
0: general, just more man. You might as well mm. jump. Fuck it. You yeah. know, one thing that really struck me about this movie, um, and I mentioned on on previous episodes that growing up, I did not watch horror movies. I wasn't allowed to watch horror flicks or anything. But I did yeah. play a lot of video games, and one of the video games that, as a you know, as a dude born in the mid '80s. Whenever I reached the 90s in my teenage years, one of the games that made just a gigantic impact on me was Resident Evil 1 and 2, uh-huh. both. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the time I played those games without having seen Dawn of the Dead or Zombie or, or you know, Not of the Living Dead or any of these flicks that are just historic, incredible, influential zombie flicks. So I didn't really realize how huge of an influence even the camera work and stuff of this movie had on those games because there's a lot of points in this flick where the camera is still there's a lot of parts in this movie where the camera doesn't move whatsoever it's just sitting in one position which is very much like those pre-rendered backdrops that you played in the resident evil games you played those right yes and you know the the because of graphics limitations back then you just have this pre-rendered background that was like a still camera shot and your character would Mm -hmm. walk around it and fight zombies and shit but it makes it so much more voyeuristic and matter of fact rather than the camera like tracking the action the fact that it's just set up in a room and you're watching what's happened i think makes it way weirder and, and creepier and that's totally what resident evil one and two maybe that maybe three and four but i didn't really play those as much but i'm just speaking from the ones that i know those games totally totally saw that and they were just like wow how can we adapt that into an interactive game uh scenario
2: it's extremely influential i think on other survival horror and just uh other open world rpgs like uh, fallout like yeah so many of the weapons that you see in this i immediately was like yeah i, I just made a character in fallout who uses a sledgehammer um th- there's the guy sledge he's using a sledgehammer yeah and it's like that seems like the most inefficient weapon in a in a zombie apocalypse but it's a real cool sight to see a dude just swinging a sledgehammer around.
0: dude just smashing zombies and he seems to have like a real joy for what he's doing too yeah
2: and uh, i <laughs> i i I don't normally use melee weapons in those type of games. As I said, I use uh, sniper rifles, but I found so much joy in just bashing heads with a sledgehammer <laughs> that, that I I realized, like, oh wait, this is obviously a reference to, to Dawn of the Dead. Like, totally. that they, Do we even have a sledgehammer in here? It yeah. doesn't make much sense. Yeah.
0: Totally just a tribute to, to Sledge himself, man. Now, what do you think about the amount of of humor that is kind of peppered throughout this flick
2: this is a funny movie there's a pie fight in this movie
0: yeah that's where it really reached heights where i was just like what the fuck is going on like there's other parts where kind of like you said earlier about them being like do you have any cigarettes and then she says no and then she lights up as soon as she gets in the plane like yeah stuff like that or or helicopter i mean like stuff like that is kind of subtly funny but then it gets to just ridiculous ridiculous proportions Mm -hmm. of times man
2: yeah and they're playing poker with huge stacks of money at one point because there's a bank in the mall yeah you know why not like yeah (laughs) yeah there's just so much uh, as it comes to a close it gets more and more ridiculous which is uh, exactly what Romero wanted like he wanted he wanted because this is this movie is about commercialism and consumerism and capitalism it, like all of those things are hardly even veiled at all mm-hmm. um having it turn from super serious attempting to survive to just absolute ridiculousness is exactly what i would say and what i think george romero is saying with this movie is what happened with capitalism mm-hmm.
1: capitalism is wow, an yeah. attempt
2: to make survival easier because Sometimes in a certain area, people can't grow enough food. And how are they gonna trade stuff for it? Well, if they can work and make some intermediary fund that they can then use to purchase that that food from someplace where they can grow enough food, then it's great, we have fewer people starving. But over time, it becomes ridiculous where all of that intermediary, all that cash, starts ending up in the hands of just a few people and they make all the choices. And we survival is just out the window at that yeah. point. It's just a big joke. Man. And that's exactly what the motorcycle gang represents, is that it's a big joke to them. Absolutely so. It's a so. fun time just killing and pillaging.
0: Totally so, man. Totally. And I love, too, that that's kind of how the movie the movie, sort of ends, is that we have our main characters and stuff who have holed themselves up in this mall. They've gone through this whole process of eliminating all the zombies that are in the area and then just this big band of assholes just shows up and busts into the mall breaks the plate glass and yeah just because that's exactly what humans would do like that's the thing is Mm -hmm. like we wouldn't walk into that scenario and be like oh wow these people seem to be doing well in this mall by themselves let's just let them alone and move on and try to find somewhere else try
2: to cooperate with them or something that's not what happened at all Nope, just let's uh, take what they have because we want it. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's it's pretty disgusting. Um, I think that what one could say happens in this is that they show up at the mall. The mall is full of consumer zombies. They eliminate the consumer zombie threat and then they basically become the consumer zombies. We get yeah a good 25 minutes of them just having a fun time in the mall.
0: Yeah. And that that part of the movie I do think after they've eliminated the threat and they're just kind of getting accustomed to living in the mall, I do mm-hmm. think that that is probably about the only part of the movie that that I did feel like was kind of weak. That that sequence yeah. is just too long of them living a mundane Mm -hmm. easy life inside of the mall that i think is about the only complaint that i have about this flick is that that scene it just really does go on a long time
2: yeah i think they were definitely going for the juxtaposition of them eliminating the zombies who basically were just walking around like they weren't doing anything they were just walking around in the mall uh, and then they become the ones walking around in the mall. And then their world gets interrupted. So, like, they go through what the zombies go through.
0: Yeah. And I think that also says a message, too, about that the the thrill in life and the thrill of this movie is the survival aspect. And the minute that, that that's yeah. stripped away, it actually becomes quite mundane. <laughs> yep. Pretty boring. I think that the, minute that the minute that struggle is eliminated, things can quickly become boring.
2: Yeah. Um. So yeah, like you're yeah, that's exactly right. Like that's what happens to them. They're bored. Yeah. You see them just like, you know, playing around on the ice, and like uh, you know, Fran is just dressing up in front of a mirror using like you know whatever makeup or clothes she can find. Yeah. Which, by the way, all of that stuff, I, I get what you're saying that it it really seems like a drag and it's too long. But all that stuff is because I've said before that I when I I saw um omega man as a Mm. young child i thought that would be the coolest thing ever to be in the world but like nobody else is there so you can like go in people's houses and do whatever you want yeah drive any of the cars that does seem like so much fun for about a week maybe yeah exactly right yep like i don't know if you've seen the last last man on earth which is uh show on fox it's will forte and Kristen Seen Sean. the
0: first like season or two yeah uh,
2: that's exactly what you get in that first episode is totally. him like he's just got everything he wants and now he's just a little lonely yeah and he's like sad. he gets done
0: with like crashing cars into fucking houses and shit and yeah gets bored with it that's exactly that's exactly what would happen and i think another huge message too of that entire thing is that At the first of the movie, there was all these people trying to find a solution. It was all, how do we fix this? How is this happening? Yada, Mm -hmm. yada. And then once they get inside of the mall and they are presented with this cornucopia, this horn of plenty that is the American consumer shopping mall, where they don't have to struggle. They don't have to fight for anything. Everything's right there. Their mind completely goes off of fixing the problem. And they just yeah. soak up the benefits of the yeah, modern consumer matter? life. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't. Yeah, what does it matter? There's no thought about the outside world whatsoever while they're inside of that mall.
2: They're then confronted with the extreme of that, which is the nihilistic motorcycle gang, who's like, "Yeah, you're right. Nothing matters. You yeah. don't matter. Yeah, I don't care about you. I'm just gonna take what I want." Um, which is what reignites their. Oh, right. We need to survive. Like we need to there's more to this. And I actually think that's, it's a great thing that Chris Romero, uh, she really was anti that, uh, that bad, you know, or that uh, sad ending where, uh, both Fran and, and, uh, what's his name?
0: Ken. (laughs) Yeah. Ken free, uh, Peter, Uh,
2: Peter. Yeah. Where Fran and Peter lit or die. She really fought against it. And, and she was right because it should be a bit triumphant because what they've done is overcome that complacency. They now want to find a way to survive again. Yeah. So and it's because struggle
0: was reignited. The cushy yeah. living was pulled out from under them.
2: And I love the thing that happens throughout. Um, Cause <sighs> Fran is pregnant. Yeah. Um, And we get, a number of times, um, Peter and Fran have moments, but they're never sexually charged. Right. There's there's never a moment where this is like, oh, this is going to be a couple. Like, they're friends. And that is a rare thing to see in movies where uh, a male and female are are friends. It's true. They get each other and that's it. We get each other. We understand each other. I'm on your side, you're on my side. We're not going to have sex. Like that's not going to happen, but we we like each other. Right. Um so like uh there is a certain point where I think it all comes together for Peter and Fran and that is when Peter uh Steven and and Trooper are sitting around talking about her pregnancy and Peter says that he knows how to perform an abortion.
0: Yeah, he's like, "Do you want to? Do you want to get rid of it or whatever?" Yeah,
2: yeah. Fran is in the other room. She's not even a part of the conversation, and so that's her moment where she's like, "Wait a second, I gotta speak up here. I gotta mm-hmm. fucking tell these motherfuckers what's up because if I don't, they're gonna keep making decisions for me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the it's it's the moment that he Peter sees in her that she doesn't want to have decisions made for her that he becomes her number one advocate he becomes the one who's like okay well let's train you to shoot let's train you to fly let's make sure you can you know get by or whatever i i still think she should have taken him up on that abortion probably yeah <laughs> like what are you gonna do in a couple months when you can barely move uh and have another life to support? And so on yeah yeah like i just and it seems like I mean, in 1978, people knew that you shouldn't smoke when you're pregnant. It seems like she doesn't care that she's pregnant. She's just like, "Uh, fuck it, the world's ending. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be dead. Yeah. But in that moment, it's like she suddenly realizes she she does care. She does care about something. That's a bold fucking topic to cover in that time period, man. It really is. Abortion is... Like it's 78. This is rover Roe versus Wade. This is the year. Jeez. So dude. like, I I'm I'm baffled at uh like how little abortion is talked about in movies now.
0: Yeah, really. Much less back then, dude.
2: Yeah. So like back to think of back then to just be that candid and open about it. Uh, is great and also to to have that entire moment of like uh fran being like why are you talking about this without me in the room that's still a problem we have where yeah. you know there'll be congressional meetings about women's health or whatever and not a single woman is there no uh uh-uh. no it's just a bunch of old fucking white guys so what are you talking you're talking about a mysterious witch like you're not talking about a woman's uh genitalia you're not talking about a woman's physiology no you're talking about some witch in your head it's it's
0: a bunch of people deciding stuff that will literally never affect them ever yeah exactly
2: what the fuck uh, so yeah this movie confronts that and, and fucking just charges into it it's great absolutely man this okay so you mentioned earlier uh lucio fulci's uh zombie which is in fact called zombie 2 yeah because it's the sequel to zombie which is dawn of the dead yeah <laughs>
0: what a cheap way to exploit the success of this film in italy
2: yeah um I, but that's actually an interesting thing about <sighs> okay i've written about this and i hope i can express it in ways that's not uh over complicated or anything because it's it's really not that complicated of a thing but the zombie movie craze spreads like a zombie virus yeah um so night of the living dead has a false sequel which is return of the living dead okay uh one of the producers of night of the living dead produced it it is not a sequel to night of the living dead but it is a sequel to night of the living dead dawn of the dead has a sequel which is zombie 2 it's not a sequel to dawn of the dead but it is Mm -hmm. like it's the it's the zombie virus spreading it's the zombie virus mutating it's the zombie virus being its own thing like i i love how uh it's sort of punk rock too like it's, it's very much like oh that's a cool idea bro let's like basically try those same three chords and uh, you say hey at this moment instead of at that moment. Like, I'm gonna make it faster and louder. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make it faster and louder. Like make the zombies run instead of shuffle, or make the zombies uh, want brains. Yeah, uh, like yeah. So I, I think it's a wonderful thing, and I think it's it's great that Romero, as far as I understand, never cared that those things were being made. No. Like that those sequels are being made because it's just like I I believe his production company did maybe sue the return of the living dead people because their advertising made it seem like it was a direct sequel of sure. not the living dead yeah yeah but beyond that it's just like uh, great like build off of it um and so it's it's a wonderful cool thing about zombie movies i hope they come back around again we got to the point where it did get ridiculous i mean there was a zombie ro- romantic comedy which yeah uh, as far as romantic comedies go, it was uh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> as far as zombie movies go, it wasn't great. But as far as romantic comedies go, it's like, all right, yeah, well, that's a cool little element. Um, and that, that that's kind of the, the finale of this most recent zombie movie craze. But, you know, hopefully it'll come back and we can see a different perspective something akin to land of the dead is what i would like to see and we will cover that movie eventually i hope but george romero's land of the dead is so d- different like i haven't seen it the concept that zombies do have some consciousness left that that he brought out in day of the dead with bub yeah i no, that i've seen like, which is awesome and, and that in land of the dead there's zombies who are just going about their regular day much like they do in dawn of the dead Mm -hmm. uh doing their jobs you know like there's a zombie who is a gas station attendant who's just at the gas station being a gas station attendant like yeah i i would like to see the this world where it's like well there's some sort of coexistence like the zombies stay separate in the 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 living stay separate but then the living start exploiting the dead and the dead rise up it is exactly the idea of uh the poor rising up against the rich and totally. the type of the type of thing we need in our media we need to get in people's heads more that you know you're not really powerless against the rich right right yeah like they're human beings just like you like <laughs> they feel fear and worry and that's why they buy land over aquifers and build these huge fortresses that they stay in because they're afraid they're (laughs) afraid of you
1: yeah
0: i'm with you man i do hope that we see more smart smart zombie flicks along the way because the way that this movie deals with consumerism before consumerism was even a gigantic thing i mean george really saw the writing on the wall concerning the american you know, shopping yeah. and consumer fetish that was impending whenever we started introducing these gigantic shopping malls and stuff. Back in that time, he really saw the driving writing Driving wages
2: wall. down and driving productivity up. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And enslaving people and making them think that as long as they have these yeah. items, then they should be happy. Which is exactly as long what as I have my characters.
2: my toaster and my steel belted radials, just leave me alone. Like, yeah, exactly. Man. It's exactly again the exact like. Uh, again, I'll compare this movie to Network, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, but also exactly about this consumerism, this zombieism, this ability to get easily put into a trance by f- things and media and bright lights and music. Like that easy ability of us to just be persuaded by a large group of people applauding. Yeah. and us thinking like oh okay yeah i need to also applaud this is good Yep. like so yeah anyway uh great movie hell yeah you got any final final thoughts and
0: ratings on this flick
2: man i i listen i there's nothing for me to say uh uh ch- check out any of the editions you'd like um the shortest one is uh under two hours it's the one um, edited by Dario Argento, the one that was shown in in Italy and throughout Europe called Zombie. Um, that that is probably the most accessible edit of this movie, the easiest one to watch. Okay. Uh, uh, beyond that, if you're really into it, go for it. Watch the two hour and thirty minute version. Really go for it. Really get into it because George Romero w- was a genius. Um, a genius at directing you know, listening to his people, really listening to people who knew what they were talking about. Like, uh, that's the thing sometimes directors can get caught up in thinking they know everything. Whereas, you know, the the person doing special effects, the cinematographer, the set dresser, the, you know, any of those things, the hairstylist, all of those people know better than you. They're going to know what looks good. They've done it. Yeah. Yeah. And Romero knew that. So it's it's wonderful that he was able to you know, come up with all this footage and I guarantee there could be a four hour cut of this movie. There's so much footage. I mean, if you just think about the um, radio and TV stuff in the background, like that first off drives all the exposition that we get. Oh, yeah, dude. He's a whole other world in itself. That's probably there's so much footage of that. I imagine that it's like it could be at least a short film you know (laughs) Um, what all
0: that stuff reminds me of like every time we keep seeing the newscaster they'll talk to that like doctor that has the eye patch and stuff
2: uh dude (laughs) gets all yelly yeah yeah,
0: the whole time you know it reminded me so much of whenever you read frank miller's dark knight rises and Uh you see all the newscasting and stuff going through Mm -hmm. that whole series it reminds me so much of that where it's just like, there's this background noise of what the media is portraying about what's going on. And And then
2: there's the reality of what's going on. I love it,
0: man. And that's something like movies like district nine and stuff would pick up and run with too.
2: I, uh, don't have any major complaints because again, as I said, there is, uh, there is a cut of this that is under two hours. And if, if, you know, you're worried about it being too long, that exists and is a legitimate cut of the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, it can if you watch the the regular US release theatrical version it seems a little long especially the uh part we were talking about where they're basically just having fun in a mall yeah uh so it can get a little long and uh at times i wish maybe that they they talked more <laughs> like sure that they They discussed more what was going on because I know the exposition is playing out in the background, but I feel like if I were in that situation, I'd be like, this is fucking crazy, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like maybe just a this is fucking crazy, right? Conversation at some point would have added something. But again, I have no problems with this movie. Gosh, I, I, this movie to me is absolutely a 10. I can't give it anything else. I love this movie. I've always loved it. Always will. So great.
0: I back it, man. I totally, totally back that sentiment. Because this really is just one of the most ambitious, maybe the most ambitious zombie movie that, that's ever been made. I mean, you're, you're talking about, mm-hmm. dude, like, this is not during the time period where everybody was all about zombies. Like, no. You can make he, a movie like this, you know, a couple of years ago, and it'd be really easy to get it made and get funding for it. Oh, yeah. Course, everybody'd
2: be like, oh, zombies. Those will make money. Yeah. yeah.
0: But it's like up to this point, it's like you had Night of the Living Dead, you had a handful. Well, you had like The Omega Man, and you had I'm Legend, and a handful of Italian flicks and stuff like this. But it's like this was still just a mere sliver of the population that was enjoying this, and they went. Mm-hmm so all-out balls-to-the-walls hardcore into this movie because they knew that those people would love it so much. And yeah. I, I think that that's absolutely amazing. The commitment to something that was just so trivial at that time is something that really shines for me in in this movie. And you just cannot beat that, the, the four horsemen of horror all working together on a movie. I mean, Dario <laughs> Argento is one of my favorite... Or directors yeah. ever and Romero I have to go back legend. to him
2: at some point because hey, we, we yeah. haven't covered him in a while
0: dude and the fucking Goblin soundtrack the soundtrack so is so good badass and also carries a good bit of humor to it at times it too does. like during the ending credits of the movie and stuff very silly soundtrack yeah. during certain parts yeah
2: that's a I think uh George Romero said that was like a, a free library track that he okay. thought was just perfect for like the ending because, you know, he wanted it to be ridiculous.
0: Right on, man. It's just amazing. And then you get the wizard of gore, fucking Tom Savini, just mm. having a blast. It really seems like they give him ultimate free reign just to do whatever you want, and they probably used about every shot that he wanted in this movie. Yeah. I just feel with this flick, man, this is one of those deals where you've got a director that has faith in his cast and crew. You have people who are really devoted to this idea of, like I said, a small thing that was not super super popular at that time, but it mattered to them and it was important to them, so they put a lot of time and a lot of effort into making this movie possible. I think it's fucking incredible and it goes so far deep into shit that like you said is even taboo now like the abortion shit and even like mm-hmm. there's a scene where ken free has to like shoot some kids oh, holy
2: yeah, shit I Forgot about that dude, yeah he what, didn't uh, he did not like that uh the actor ken free did not like that and also you could tell peter didn't like it yeah um, but yeah that was brutal
0: yeah dude it's like there's so much fucked up stuff in this movie and and so many, so many little things too. Like, dude, I love that scene where the nun gets her like habit stuck in that that locking door, and oh yeah, Fran's about to shoot her, but she's just like, I, she just lets her go because she can't shoot uh-huh. a nun. Fucking awesome!
2: Yeah. <laughs> it really is. There's so much characterization in killing zombies, yeah. like then you know that's some of the things that get lost in some of these zombie films where people are like, "Yeah, it's just fun to kill zombies, but like well, you also need we need to feel that the characters are struggling to kill what looks like a human um and specifically it maybe it's kids, maybe it's a nun, you know you we get these situations with some of our characters. It's great,
0: and dude, some of the humor elements, like one of my absolute favorite kills in the entire movie, I forgot to mention we were talking about the kills. The scene where the biker that wears a sombrero for some reason has this wild hair to get his blood pressure checked. <laughs> <laughs> and he's sitting there with his arm and like the blood pressure checker. He's
2: getting eaten and the yeah. blood pressure thing's just going off. Like, meh, nah, meh. Nah.
0: And eventually it gets to where like his arm is ripped off and he's yeah. being eaten. And the blood, They they have a shot that shows that the blood pressure is at zero. Yeah.
1: And it's just, dude, it's so...
0: Dumb and so pointless, but they kept it in the movie. I love that. Like I love this whole movie for that fucking scene that this guy (laughs) in a sombrero just had to get his blood pressure fucking checked and got his arm ripped off as a result of it. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck. So good. It's so good, man. It's so good. And like I said, like the 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 slow the slow bit towards the latter third of the movie, I I do think that it could have been hacked down a little bit, although it is impactful. I mean the the first yeah. the first two thirds of this movie, which is to say the first, you know, hour and a half or so, is literally nonstop. I mean, there are more action beats in this movie than any horror flick that I can think of. It is like breakneck speed for most of this movie. So whenever mm-hmm. it does hit the fact that they're getting complacent and life is easy, it really does have this incredible deceleration effect that that you feel because you've been through all this shit with them and you feel how boring it's getting. Um, Yeah. So I do think in a way, even though it isn't necessarily entertaining from a filmmaking or film watching perspective, it's effective because it makes you feel what the characters are feeling. So I can't even really fault it that much. And it's a very effective way of it making it very very deep in a lot of ways where it's affecting you the same way that it's affecting the characters so i can't even really get that mad at it it's it's near perfect i do think that it's the godfather of zombie movies and so i think with that being said i think i'm gonna i'm gonna rock this a nine out of ten myself it's hell yeah fucking amazing i can't wait to watch it again man
2: yeah it's a great one well i mean uh we talked about uh ken free surviving so our third straight movie. For the black character survives. Yep. And there were so many movies that we wanted to do here. Uh, We wanted to do Candyman for Valentine's Day, which would have been perfect. It's a love story. Uh, We wanted to do Attack the Block, maybe. So many of these movies just weren't streaming. Yeah. But the one movie we obviously had to do for uh, talking about black character survives, talking about black filmmaking, black characters in film, is Get Out.
0: Hell yes which we'll be covering Elaine next week Bennis on the show. Elaine in Get Out. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this with you, man, because it is it is a fucking awesome, 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 awesome movie. I uh, Absolutely loved it. So I can't wait to talk about it with with you uh, on the show next week about that. So y'all be sure to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, be sure to... Rate and review our podcast on iTunes. We really, really appreciate that. It helps us show up in your searches and stuff like that. So it just takes a second. Uh, go on iTunes, rate and review this podcast. Say some nice words. Keep it G-rated or else they will not post it. Helps us out a lot. So please go and do that. It means a lot to us. Steve, where can they find us on social media?
2: Uh, you can always find us on Instagram, Twitter, at Dead Lovely Pod. We also have an awesome Facebook group. Yeah. Check us out there. Or you can email us uh, at deadandlovelypod at com.
0: Right on. You guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars. Steve, where can they find you?
2: Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Steven Spratling. You probably don't have to bother. I don't really... <laughs> I don't really post anything. But <laughs> Sick. I I did post. Uh, I do post sometimes on Instagram pictures of payphones because L.A. has a ton of payphones, and it blows my mind as someone. I think that's an awesome series. That yeah, someone from the South who uh, it's just saw payphones being ripped away and eliminated in the late '90s, early 2000s. It is insane to me to come to one of the largest cities in America. And there are pay phones everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them even work. That's bizarre. That's truly strange. I know.
0: Well, you guys be sure to stay tuned for our Get Out episode next week. Uh, in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate it so much. We do this because we love it, but it's even greater if you guys enjoy it too. So thank you all so much for listening and participating in our online groups on Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of jazz. Keep the suggestions coming for what you want to see on the show next And we will catch you guys next week. You guys have been absolutely fucking fabulous. And we have been dead and lovely. Goodbye. They're
2: coming for you, Barbara. (laughs) Bye.